This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Neil. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the desert we tell. And it's episode 110. Ooh, have a very fancy. A very fancy. Very fancy. 110. We're into the, into the tens. Uh, yes, Yay. it's the Roaring Twenties, isn't it? And yes. then the tens are just uh, they just happened. They're very, yeah, they're very unexciting. Um, yes, they were very, people wore trousers, and yes. that was it. <laughs> That's the only thing that happened. Yes, it seems like very like uh, get to the twenties, get to the twenties, get to the twenties, get to the fun bit. Not in the modern twenties; these have been horrific. The I mean, the tens there was a massive world war. Yes, that did put a downer that, that on things. Generally, put a downer on things. So no wonder yes. they were waiting for the Roaring Twenties. They were all wearing trousers. Yeah. To prepare for war. So I said 20s, I think 1920s. Flappers so and Charlestons and all that sort of shenanigans. You know what? There could be flappers and Charleston dancing people if you would just get the bloody hell on with it, Nick. Set an example. <laughs> Set an example. Out on the street with you, dancing the Charleston every morning. Well, Not at night. I want them at 7am. Maybe that will be one of our new Patreon videos. You never <laughs> know. <laughs> Yes, yes, this week we did launch our new Patreon video series. Very exciting. We finally got Nick in front of the camera. And for the Patreon subscribers, we are releasing regular videos of Nick talking about cocktails and doing cocktail demos. And potentially doing dances as well. Yes, we will take requests. This is going to get madder and madder. If you do, subscribe and watch them. It's a great time to do so because Nick just goes insane. He goes insane in it because he's just been drinking. Drinking, 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 drinking. Episode four, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. Booze going everywhere. Um, <laughs> but how are you, Nick, otherwise? Yeah, Any poisonings this week? Hmm. No. No, so, you had yeah, to think about it. Well, it's a, it's a serious question that requires a serious <laughs> contemplation. You cannot just answer that off the cuff. We've done it for 109 episodes. And every, you know? and every week I consider my answer. <laughs> <laughs> and this week... No. I don't have to think about it, Nick. Well, I can just say no. <laughs> what have I accidentally done? Yeah. Poison yeah. their eyes. <laughs> well, speaking of poisoning the eyes and enjoying things on a different platform, I think it's time for us to thank our delicious new Patreon subscribers. <laughs> yeah, we should indeed. Marv, there they say they're in for a treat this week with all the new shenanigans going on there. Uh, thank you so much to Liz Wallace. And to Charlie Cook. 
both in for a treat this week. Wonderful people messaged us as well about, yeah, I'm going to join, going to join. And we are glad that you did and mm. that you were enjoying the loveliness of Patreon. You've made pre-cocktail cocktails today. Always though. make pre-cocktail cocktails. You, you went fancy today, actually. You probably sensed that I was I having did, a... I did, because you, you came in having a slight crisis. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I felt fancy cocktails were needed. And not just shouting at you, make your own fucking gin and tonic, as is my usual want. It is very much appreciated. <laughs> It's, this is how Nick shows love. He doesn't say yeah. it with, with, with words oh, or no, hugs. No, 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 no. None of that. Maybe a tap on the shoulder occasionally. But he'll just come up with a nicer cocktail than normal. And yeah, I'm like, well, that's absolutely. the sweetest thing he's ever yeah. done. There are, yeah, absolutely. You there are levels me... of affection in cocktail form. <laughs> depending on the effort required to make them. Yes. Gin and tonic. Eh, you're all right. <laughs> I mean, Glass I could... of water. Yeah. <laughs> Glass of water. Oh, that's just like I yeah. want nothing to do with you. <laughs> Leave my house now. Well, I'm, I'm. I'd say I'm starting to wonder why you're single. <laughs> but actually, I think that's a great basis yeah, for a relationship. Absolutely. I would love to communicate with people just through booze. Just through booze. Mm. Yeah. But you made me a lovely dry orange martini. Dry orange martini. And you made yourself. I made myself a bijou. Oh, one of your favorites. One of my favorites. Lovely jewel cocktail. Mm. Very nice. I like it. I want another. <laughs> you might get one soon. Might get one. Ooh. Well, Nick. Hello. Are you ready? No. <laughs> to drink cocktails and talk about poison. Hmm, intriguing. Or we could drink some poison and talk about the cocktails. <laughs> Bodes well for all of us. What's it going to be, Nick? What's it going to oh, be? Oh, let's, let's have a story. Oh, let's have a story with with a beverage with, with it. With a beverage. Oh, lovely, lovely. We, we haven't actually quite established which, which way around it will be, no, but no. it's fine. There will be a story, there will be a story and there will be a beverage. Well, let's go with the first one. Okay. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Well, it is Nick's story this week. And as we've established, we can't, we, can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail involved. Every week, as you know, dear listeners, we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell. And it will flavor our cocktail of the week. Nick's story, so his pick. Nick, mm. the secret ingredient is... Mm. A fantastically fancy hat. <laughs> Very happy with that. It is the ingredient everyone has been waiting for. <laughs> the fancy hat. The fancy hat. Now, how fancy? I mean, what you'll discover, it is, it, is, it is proclaimed to be pretty damn fancy. I have very, very high expectations instantly of this story and of this hat. Right, well, we will see if it lives up to your expectations. <laughs> I mean, if they just had a hat. He just wore a hat one day. And someone said, fancy that? Fancy, oh, look. Look at you and your fancy hat, Mr. Jones. Well, a fancy hat who doesn't love a fancy hat. Everyone loves a fancy hat. If they don't, they're wrong. If they don't, they're wrong and they shouldn't be here. Yeah, they should be drinking poison and, and not talking about cocktails. None of the good stuff for them. Mm. Wonderful. So with a fancy hat <laughs> as your a- attire, mm. uh, as your ingredient, mm. what have you come up so, with? This week. Now, it's surprising. There are very few hat-based cocktails. I am appalled and shocked. I, I was quite shocked by this. And then I thought, oh, perhaps I could get a hat-shaped glass. And that is also equally difficult to get hands on. I don't know how that would work. I found one, I found one set of glasses. Yeah. And they were like little sort of Nicanora glasses, but the stem was a little stack of top hats. Oh, that's very cool. But Why don't were, we have those? Because they were £100 for two. And? <laughs> and I thought, that's a lot of money for hats in glass form. I mean, I can pick holes in this, Nick. I can pick holes. <laughs> Wouldn't have been here in time. It just doesn't matter. Okay, still. well, I'll order them this evening. And then <laughs> in two weeks' time, we'll have Fancy Hat 2. So with a fancy hat. A fancy hat. As your inspiration, your yes. ingredient, what you're going to wear. You need to wear a fancy hat while oh, making God, yes. a cocktail. Well, everyone's making a fan- wearing a fancy hat while recording and listening to this episode. What have you come up with? We are having a top hat. A top hat? Are we having a top hat? Okay. I was expecting fancier. 
Is, is a top hat not fancy enough? I mean, it's the fanciest of the hats. I mean, I got the th- I defy you to find a fancier hat. I'm interested what a top hat cocktail would so, be. Well, so am I. Yeah, so they're, they're not easy to come by. So a lot of yeah, a lot of Googling had to go in this one to, to find a random website with a with a recipe. Okay. Um, and I found it and I thought, ah, that sounds intriguing. So we'll give it a go. Love an intriguing cocktail. Well, with our tops hats dusted off, we are going to parade into the poisonous cabinet kitchen, people, and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a minute. And we're back. Hello. So, Nick, what a little delight we have in Mm. our glass here. It's an amber colour, which is always Mm. good. But I detect a hint of fizz to it. Hint of fizz to us. I can hear a hint of fizz. Yes, you heard the bottle opening earlier. I did. Yeah, so I'm thinking there's fizz in this. Yeah, maybe. But it's an interesting colour for a fizz cocktail. Mm. Usually you sort of associate it with like lemon and gin or something like that. But... Interesting. Well, well, maybe I've I've said all the right things there. I don't know. Top hat cocktail sticks pierced a piece of lemon. A piece of lemon. Yes. It's just a bit of lemon skin. That has been. No, the oils have been expressed across the cocktail. <laughs> Lovely lemony oil along the surface. <laughs> I think you'll find. Have they? Yes, they have. Okay. Coil of lemon skin. Oh, you've expressed lemon the oil. Lemon skin. Lemon skin. Peel. Peel. I forgot don't the word. Skin a lemon. <laughs> oh, you do, my friend. <laughs> When you've been out in the wild as long as I have, you can skin a lemon in six seconds. And I love the way you expressed the oil, you like you're you milking it. Some oil. No, milking is milking. No, but like, like you express breast milk. Yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> Your breast milk is lemon oil. My, my, my breasts are full of lemons. <laughs> one lemon, one lime. It's great. My brain literally thought you were being serious for a minute there. I'm like, that is really practical. That's really handy. Also, I am worried for all the cocktails I've drunk here. Marvellous. A top mm. hat. And now I have high top hopes hat. for such a fancy hatted beverage. Yeah. All right, let's dive in and give it a go. Mm. Okay. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Mm. Oh, oh my. <laughs> the bubbles tickle my nose. <laughs> oh, that's quite nice. That is nice. Oh, I'm smiling. I don't know why. <laughs> Makes a change. <laughs> Is this happiness? <laughs> Is it? Is this what Is pure this joy, what joy is? feels like? <laughs> with no repercussions. No, that's nice. That's, yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm you know what? I'm, I'm gonna take. Can I take the garnish out? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's mainly because it's clanking now. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, it's poking me in the eye. So it's one of Nick's beautiful top hat cocktail sticks, which aren't gorgeous. And Nick, I think you should put on uh, episode or on social media where you can buy these because they are really striking and they're lovely. From the shop I work in, buy them all. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I didn't. I literally wasn't trying to plug that. But yes, remove it so we can have enjoy the beauty mm. of the drink. So this is... Oh, that is dangerously tasty. That's good. I like that. I'm impressed. I, I was a bit concerned. It wouldn't be, it would be a bit like, meh. That's very nice. A glass Happy. of fizz. Oh, it's going to be a fizz episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, the best thing about a fizz episode is that we have the rest of the bottle of fizz that has to be drunk. Yay! Before the end of the episode. I'll then take that. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. Not my episode. Whole bottle of fizz. I am here for it. So in the cocktail, I, I can't work out what's in that. So... Uh, uh, lemon, oh. lemon, lemon. No. What? There were some lemon oils. Oh, only lemon but no, oil. But no, no, no juice. No juice. No juice of a lemon. You have not juiced lemon. You have merely milked it. <laughs> I've expressed it, but not juiced it. Like a boob. <laughs> Does one juice a boob? <laughs> you don't want to juice no, a boob. No, no that's no. why you should only express no, it. I feel that's a bad way to go. <laughs> we have dry vermouth. Ooh. 
We have some dry vermouth. We have some Benedictine. Monks, what? Which is, which is where the where the ambery hue comes from, yes. from the Benedictine liqueur. So a bit of a herbally, slightly bittery twang going on there at the end, mm. but very nice. Um, and then some Angostura bitters, which is also where the colour is coming from. Lovely. Um, just those three ingredients, stirred with some ice, topped up with some fizz. That is lovely. With a bit of oil, a bit of lemon over the top. And it Ooh. works really, really nicely. I'm really impressed by that. I think it is suitably fancy for a top hat for the name. I would say it is a top yeah, hat-ish absolutely. kind of cocktail. I think the fizz adds to the fanciness of the occasion. Oh, obviously. How can you possibly wear a top hat and not have some fizz? So, yeah. Hmm. Nice. I think Benedictine is my... Is on the on the top end scale of the herbal drinks where chartreuse is languishing <laughs> at the bottom. Okay, I don't mind Benedictine. Every time you've used it in a cocktail, it's it's always been a pleasant surprise. It's got just the hint of herbalness and the hint of the the complexity yeah, that is, I think you love in chartreuse. It is certainly one of the one of the least florally those sort of class of drinks it does add that bit of complexity a bit of interest and um, you would think yeah. the words floral would make it go oh floral is lovely and floaty no it isn't no 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 no, 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 no. It, that no. means it's it's really quite pungent <laughs> when you go down the scale down the yeah, scale indeed. but that's amazing yeah, so benedictine nice. fizz I, I would not have put those benedictine, together dry vermouth and the angostura bitters and some bitters mm. um and topped up with fizz so four ingredients really simple this is dangerous yeah absolutely <laughs> If you've got some Benedictine, again, that's probably, as we said before, parents' back-of-the-cupboard yeah, drink. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You might have bought one. You might have been gifted one. If someone heard you're into <laughs> cocktails, they tried to fob off whatever cocktail bottle they'd gotten. Benedictine is a great addition to the cabinet if you can get one. And add that yeah. to some fizz, a little dry vermouth to balance it out. The dry vermouth balances it out nicely. But, I mean, if you haven't got Benedictine, I think you could pro- I mean, this has got like a quarter of an ounce of Benedictine in Ooh. it. So it's really a very small amount. If you haven't got that... I mean, any sort of like a morrowish sort of bitter liqueur would would probably do it at a pinch. I mean, you could probably even, I would say, with a lesser amount, you could probably use Jaeger. Um, what about the chinar? Yeah, chinar, something like that. Mm. That's got that sort of bittery sort of twang. I think you'd have to experiment with the quantities. I think a quarter of the Jaeger would be too overpowering. It's because mm. that's a much more sort of licoricey sort of flavour to it, aniseedy. But I think any of those liqueurs could be substituted in it's a good one to experiment yeah. with because it's not a, a lot of ingredients it's, in it's very little because you're mainly you're topping up with with uh, with the fizz and this is just a this is not champagne. only the finest of o- champagnes only the, fi- we have. only the finest of taste the difference taste that fucking difference um, <laughs> every time every time we get a taste of difference a lovely cremant from uh, france very very tasty I'm very impressed. So, with our top hats mm. in hand, flipped onto our heads. No, that's messy. Maybe we'll just hold it as we go down this road towards the story time. Twirling your cane. There's a cane as well. There may well be a cane. Who knows? Okay. You'll find out. <laughs> Wonderful. I am excited for a story that involves a very fancy hat. Nick, <laughs> hit me with a story. Okay. Okay. So, today we are going to the beautiful, beautiful place. We're going to beautiful Pang State in Malaysia. I did not expect that. So we're going to Malaysia for our story today. Okay. Now, Pang State is a region, it's lush mountains, forests, rainforests, beautiful beaches along Ooh. the South China Sea. Beautiful. By day, this this area is stunning, full of tourists. Mm-hmm. But by night, it is. it takes on a slightly different, different vibe. Ah, oh, top quite, hats everywhere. Quite different. No. Oh. Not not necessarily in a good way. Oh, shit. Now, local folklore in the area says that the forests are home to many, many dark and terrible, terrible things. Okay. There are evil creatures that lurk amongst the trees, waiting to drain the blood of unwary travellers 
and steal their souls. (laughs) So it's not somewhere you want to be caught after dark. I 100% would. (laughs) Bring it on! Bring it on! Bring it on. It's nice. Get there. Get there early. Get to the beach. Have a nice time. Have a few drinks on the beach. But make sure you're gone by nightfall. Otherwise, you ain't going to last. I would adhere to those rules where I would be pressed against the window, (laughs) watching for fools who did not obey the rules. Yeah. So in early July 1993, there's a look. Oh, we're back up today. Yeah, so we're going for quite a bit of a modern one here. Brace yourself. Bit of a a turn for the cabinet. I mean, 90s was a long time ago. Don't say that. I know. It's, Shut it's, up. It, it is, was seven years it's, ago. It's really upsetting when you think 1993 was almost 30 years ago. No, it wasn't. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was long longer ago, ago than we would like to admit. Anyway, so we were in July 93, and local politician Datuk Maslan Idris um, leaves his wife and child on on his morning and never returns. Oh. Now, some of the more superstitious locals are entirely convinced that he has been spirited away by monsters in the forest. Monsters found in the forest. First explanation. First explanation for everything. Absolutely. It must have been monsters. But there are those of a more questionable, more unbelieving nature who are convinced that there's probably going to be another explanation. Probably. There may well be another less monster-based explanation as to why this man has vanished hasn't been taken away by tiny tiny little people on wheels <laughs> now maslan idris is he's a big name in malay politics and he has grand ambitions of rising through the ranks of his party to high high office not unusual for him to spend a few days away from home he travels a lot meeting his constituents attending various meetings and functions and it does take a couple of days for people to realize he's he's actually missing his family think that he's he's out on business he's out traveling yeah his staff in his his office think that he's at home with his family and it's not until he starts missing some really quite important meetings that they think no something is something is wrong here communication is had and he's actually declared officially missing oh back in the 90s it was a barren time for communication (laughs) not entirely unsurprising that it's taken a few days but his unexplained disappearance soon becomes front page news as i say he's he's a relatively famous up-and-coming man so uh, and even more so once the 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 police discover that the the missing politician has withdrawn three hundred thousand ringgit from his bank accounts at several branches in kuala lumpur now this is about the equivalent of seventy thousand dollars at the time so a substantial sum of money some in the press speculate that the politician was probably from a bender somewhere he was (laughs) maybe had some secrets when a politician goes missing your first thought is i had a secret family secret family has been caught in some sort of sex scandal and then it comes to light that he's he's emptied his bank accounts drugs drugs some dodgy thing going on there he's been dressed up in a corset in a club (laughs) being spanked and is taking a load of cocaine i mean he sounds great yeah i mean i I don't think that was what happened no but that's exactly what a lot of press sort of write these really salacious stories about what they think has has happened to this man but as the weeks go on there is still no trace of the the missing man his family and colleagues start to get more and more really worried until now they've thought oh he's gonna turn up he's been out somewhere he's been having it off with someone but he'll rock up eventually <laughs> like the um, fact that that's his press conference all of his stuff he's in a bender he's having it yeah. off he's doing so. he'll turn he'll up just, he'll just turn up <laughs> now the longer he doesn't turn up mm. the more sort of rural superstition starts to kick in he's from nice. a relatively isolated constituency the, a lot of the, the the people who live near him are 
very traditional and have these very strong beliefs in the sort of more superstitious nature. Mm. And these beliefs get louder and louder and louder each day. Okay. Eventually, they get a break in the case. But it seems it's from a rather unlikely source. Now, the two, two, two police officers are out on a routine patrol and they happen across a man completely off his face on drugs. Nice. Completely blitzed off his tits, he is. Now, this is not something they take particularly likely in Malaysia. They're, no, not, too, no. they're not too hot on they're, the drugs. Not, not <laughs> so much. No, no, no. There's a lot of death involved yeah, with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so they take him <laughs> They take him into the station. But I like the, your phrase, blitzed off his tits he was on blitzed drugs. Off his tits. <laughs> I don't know particularly what variety of drugs he was on. He um, was absolutely but, off his nut on codeine. He had <laughs> <laughs> really gone hard on the antihistamines. No. I don't know. <laughs> this man who they now have in custody, this is not the missing politician. No. It is 23-year-old Jarami Hussein. Okay. Now, the police arrest this young man and take him to the station for questioning. Now, at this point, he is only really facing the prospect of jail time for all the drugs that he has on. <laughs> there is no connection with this missing politician. Um, <laughs> but before he could sober up, he ends up implicating himself in Ooh. far more serious goings-on. At first, his statement is entirely rambling and incoherent. Who's been stealing your thoughts? But the police are able to pick up some crucial pieces of information from his ramblings. The most important one being a name, Maslan Idris. And so they recognise this name. They think, oh, this is this is a missing person. This is an important man. So what does he know about this this missing man? <laughs> Always trust the ramblings Always of a drugged up lunatic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, but as his sort of verbal diarrhea continues, it appears that Drummy is... He is confessing to being involved in the disappearance of the missing politician. Now, he is quizzed for more and more information over the following hours. And he reveals a bizarre tale of clandestine deals and magic rituals. (laughs) I really hope one officer was in the station going, excellent, Mm, get me some tea. He is going to spill it. Oh, I am here for this, Nick. I am settling in. I am here for some magical stories. Good, good, good. Now, during Drami's interrogation, he mentions another name that pricks the ears of the police. The name of Mona Fandi. Apparently the drug adult man's employer. So Drami reveals that she owns a house in the in the jungle. And if the police were to go, they would find all sorts of evidence supporting his claims of all sort of magical shenanigans goings on. Mm. And so on the 22nd of July, officers find themselves driving deep into the mountains mm. um, in the west of Pang province, searching for this house. Now, in particular, they have been told to head to a dilapidated storeroom at the back of the house. Now, this will be of particular interest, they have been told. And sure enough, it is exactly as he said. They come across this dilapidated, half-built bungalow in the middle of nowhere. And as described, there's a little dingy brick-built outbuilding. Inside, they find a patch of freshly laid concrete in the centre of the floor. It's never a good sign. Which is never a good sign. Absolutely never a good sign. Now, as the police search the whole property, a team arrive and they, using hammers and picks, they chip their way through the new floor. As soon as they hit bare earth, an overwhelming stench rises up through the cracks and they begin to unearth the decomposing body parts (gasps) of Maslan Idris. He had been decapitated Ugh. and then hacked into 18 pieces. It's very precise. It's very precise. Absolutely. It's 18 bi- Why would... Why? Oh, God. Uh, no. 
No, indeed. No, it sounds very back. unpleasant. <laughs> now, following Jeremy's claims that the property was owned by his employer, Mona Fandy, um, police started to track this woman down. Now, Mona Fandy was, in fact, a name that was known to many of the officers. Um, in fact, she was well-known throughout Malaysia. But not for any criminals, goings-ons. Oh, no, no, no. Um, Mona was something of a, of a, a socialite. She was a rather glamorous ex-pop star oh, oh, in okay. the country. Now, her star had slightly faded over the years. And she was very much now a sort of, oh, I wonder what happened to her sort of character. I think we're about to find out. She was now very much in the sort of, oh, I wonder what happened to her sort of category of celebrity. A very um, glorious Swanson. Very well is. indeed. She's but, got a turban. But now, I mean, how on earth could she be involved in any of these sorts of really horrendous goings on? Yeah. With, with dead people buried in sheds and things. Now, in the mid-80s, she had self-released an album nice. called Diana One was the name of her album. What, 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 what the what now? <laughs> It was called Diana One. Who's she channeling for Diana? I is that Diana Ross or Diana Princess of Wales? Princess of Wales <laughs> could, be, could well be. Um, I'm going to go with Diana Ross, probably. Uh, potentially, I don't know. You went for Diana Princess of I, Wales. I really did, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> now, she has one big hit at the time and then spends the rest of her life sort of living off that one sort of moment of, of fame. Wow. Anything she had done since then failed miserably. So one hit wonder. One hit wonder completely. But she had really managed to stretch out a career off this one this one song in the in the mid 80s we must look it up that she was still a relatively known character by the early 90s now as the police take a closer look into her recent comings and goings they found that moda and her husband afendi abdul rahman just so happened to be in kuala lumpur um on the days when the withdrawals from the missing man's account had happened (gasps) so as you remember he'd he'd taken over seventy thousand dollars out of his bank account they were able to find out when and where this money had been withdrawn and it sort of coincided with mona and her husband's visits to to kuala lumpur i'd say this is oh that's intriguing i think it's less intriguing if you just found his body on your property that is also also a connection that's a connection there (laughs) they also find out that on the very same day of these withdrawals and mona and her husband had bought a brand new mercedes as well as clothes and jewelries and she had even scheduled a a facelift so that this ex-pop star could return to her glory days yes 100 percent yes awful awful woman whatever has happened here i don't condone it but i do condone the minute you get some money i am getting a freaking facelift <laughs> i am going out and i want people to see the splendor of my face absolutely i want to say everyone needs to see me early 80s <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> None of the other stuff, but still. What connection does she actually have to this dead politician? Well, yeah, this is, this is, I mean, oh my God, this is, this is so good. Yeah, these are the two very disparate people going on here that are connected by a a house in the jungle. Both well-known people. Mm. Someone's ended up in the ground. Yeah. How does this happen? And the police dig into her past and dig into her life to try and find. And the more they dig, the the more surprised and terrified they become. Now, it seems that after the pop star's money starts to dry up, Mona needs to, a new way to make an income. She's become used to a very particular lifestyle in her pop star <laughs> ways. The finest of hotels, the loveliest of clothes, the fanciest of cars and things like that. But that that money doesn't last forever for one hit. Yeah. Um, uh, but she's become very accustomed to that way of living. I think she's had a taste of it. If you're a one-hit wonder, you're not going to be accustomed to it. You probably have come from well, relatively modest background. Then suddenly you get a taste of the high life. Yeah. And then you go, oh, I want more of that. Yeah, she, does, she doesn't want to give it up. No. Absolutely. She, she is refusing to give up what she's now, she's now gained. Um. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Now, obviously, she can't get a normal job, like in an office or a shop or something like that. She is she is famous. That they can't, <laughs> famous people can't do that. No. So instead, she decides to return to her more rural roots and reinvents herself as a traditional Malay shaman. Yes. Known as a bomo. They are thought to be sort of masters of magic and traditional medicine. But they are also known to have a rather ambiguous moral compass. Now, they are just as likely mm. to curse you as the person that you have paid them to curse. Um, oh, sort of okay. thing. They, right. Yeah, they are yeah, rather loose with their loyalties, shall we say. Certain people would be very loyal. Other people, meh, you know, whatever yeah. you can make for money. That happens in every kind Absolutely. of practice. Absolutely. Now, much of Malaysia is deeply Islamic. Yes. Um, but there is there is a rather sort of uneasy acceptance of the Bomo culture. Practitioners will often cite verses from the Quran and claim to be following Islamic teachings. But this is probably more likely a way to placate many of the more devout Islamic hmm. um, people there. And the influence of the Bomo shamans is, is still incredibly strong, especially in more rural, more isolated areas. Okay. Um, it is incredibly, incredibly vibrant. Now, most Bomos were sort of relatively small-time village, small-town shamans. But there were other, probably less scrupulous practitioners that have been known to become multi-millionaires from, mm. their, from their trade. And, and, and can you guess which path Mona followed? Well, yeah. <laughs> she, she wasn't going to be returning to a village and little hut helping out mm. pregnant women and people with achy legs and stuff like that no, she, <laughs> she was aiming for the big time big toe bomo cash that's quite depressing isn't it yeah i mean essentially she becomes the malay equivalent of a televangelist <laughs> so she sort of <laughs> trades spiritual assistance for cash Ugh. everyone else who is offering these services are generally sort of relatively elderly wizened old men who, mm. who have got twigs in their hair and live in the forest they now, have the look they have the look on. but this is a very glamorous young yeah. woman who is offering these services as well and people mm. flock to her people well, find her famous. quite yeah, and she's yeah. quite fair. she's got and a her network name, her name is known she's got a network and people go yeah if you can do these things absolutely i'm not yeah. going to go hike up a mountain to find a man in the cave when you're here <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah so i'll pay you a bit extra cash so if you can do these things and people from all over are interested in her supernatural services and she becomes incredibly in demand gaining far more fans and wealth than she ever did through singing now eventually the shaman couple are sitting on a huge pile of cash 
They have luxury Kuala Lumpur mansions, and multiple second homes, fancy cars, and influence running really into the high levels of, of Malay society. Now, somewhere along the way, they decide to expand their operation by hiring in some help. Conducting all these rituals, you need to help organising, tidying, all this sort of stuff. A lot, a, of admin. a lot of admin going on. A lot of cleaning and all this sort of stuff. You've done yes. a ritual, you need to sweep out before the next person arrives. Now, in comes Jurami Hussain, um, a witch doctor's assistant. Was that his CV title? <laughs> <laughs> Farming that around, going, I have worked in bars, I'm very happy to work as a team, I'm a witch doctor's assistant. No, I think that's his new title once he starts work, working with Mona. <laughs> How um, do you interview for that job? <laughs> uh, I don't want that job. Almost like an apprenticeship type type deal going it's on it's the there. closest that we have to wizard's assistant who likes the crack um, <laughs> <laughs> figuratively and literally and indeed. <laughs> now while she is touting for business mona even claims to have provided members of malaysia's ruling party with talismans that had made their political careers uh, and people well believed it visiting your local bomo was is an incredibly common thing especially mm. amongst the, sort of the older generation older politicians and in fact so much so that in 2011 the government of Malaysia had to issue a statement advising state employers not to visit a witch doctor for advice on government matters. <laughs> <laughs> and that was 2011. So this is an re- incredibly recent thing and people were still doing it at that point. I like that energy. I don't want to sound too woke on this, but I kind of wish some people would issue <laughs> that sort of thing in a lot of the Western countries. Yeah. Let's not be quoting the Bible on various things. <laughs> It is not clear that which one approached the other first, but we do know that Mona Fandi and Maslan Idris arrive at an, an agreement at some point that she is to provide him with mm. a pair of talismans to help his political career, wow. to help him gain influence. One of these is a cane. A magic cane. You said there would be a cane. You said a, a magic cane. A magic. Oh, it's a talisman. It's it's a it's a good luck charm. It's lovely. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's imbued with power mm. to help him achieve what he wants. The other is a song cock, uh, a traditional hat. <gasps> now, this is supposedly worn by the former prime minister of Ind- Indonesia. Okay. So, um, a magic hat that is going to help him become eventually become prime minister of malaysia he has his magic stick he has his magic hat he's going to be king of the world is this the fancy hat this is it's a fucking it's a magic hat how how more fancy do you want than a fucking magic hat I was expecting a top hat that he paraded around in. It's a magic hat. I would love it if it was just a dunce cap with stars on it. I would also love it if it was a top hat. I just sort of feel like maybe it's a baseball cap with a magic, like, oh, it's magic written on it. I'm, I, I find your disbelief concerning. Hey, baseball caps were the style at the time in the 90s, what a my baseball friend. Baseball cap. How do you know, Nick? How gonna, do you know? You're Googling it on you. You're Google. absolutely going to Google it. It's a very nice hat. What does it look like? It's like, a, like almost like a fez type thing. It's, it's a. <laughs> you're the one who picked a top hat picture. Yeah, I, I said, you, and I sent you the picture, and you said that's amazing. That's a good fancy hat, and then you chose it. Don't you put this on me? Don't you bring this to my door? No, it's a fucking magic hat. <laughs> what more do you want? All right, I love it. I good love it. magic hat. <laughs> fez is shit though. It's a magic hat. <laughs> that's quite. Shit. It's black. It's not red. <laughs> With some nice embroidery around the front. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah. The embroidery going, this is the magic, magic hat. Magic hat, magic hat, magic hat. Okay, he's got a magic hat. Fancy magic hat. Cane is filled. Sparklers. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> this, the cane is a sparkler. 
Now they say these items are going to fast track his political political career and make him entirely invincible. No one will be able to touch him. No competitors, no opposite candidates are be able to compete with him at all. I mean, how can anyone compete with a fancy <laughs> hat? So Maslan had incredibly high ambitions and he is willing to do whatever it takes to to make sure that that happens. Uh, but what does Mona Fandy want in return for a magic stick and a fancy hat? Not too much, not too much. A little token gesture. Okay. A little token two and a half million ring it. Um, <laughs> $600,000. Ah! It's a bargain for a magic hat. And a fancy cane. And a fancy cane. I mean, I might pay that much for a fancy hat. Yeah, absolutely. Magic or not. This hat is going to make me king of the world. I mean, that is a bargain if you put it like that. Well, exactly. I would believe you as well. Yeah, well, indeed. And as did Maslan. He did not flinch whatsoever Uh. at this relatively extortionate cost. But for him, it is a small price to pay for his Mm. ambitions. And they arrive at a sort of a settlement plan for for this expensive. He will pay a fifth up front. For the rest, he will offer up deeds, property deeds, land deeds and things to as collateral for for the balance. And so once the, the first stage payment is made, Mona hands over the new incredibly powerful talismans uh, the cane and the hat uh, he grasps the cane puts on the hat nothing happens um, there's no bolt of lightning there's no <laughs> clap of thunder or anything like that Mona says well the magic will take a few days to sort of get started it takes a bit of time to get going um, go about your business um, but don't forget to carry your cane and wear your hat or it just won't work um, this is feeling like the emperor's new clothes isn't it <laughs> now after about a week or so Maslan is starting to think that something's not quite right and he in fact refuses to pay any of the balance of money that he supposedly owes mm. and, and starts accusing Mona of selling him, selling him charity shop tat this is this is nonsense this is nothing is happening it's absolute bollocks she's nothing but a crook now Mona is livid at the accusation this is not her problem this is nothing to do with her. This is all down to him. Maslan Isdras, he is dripping in negative energy. Um, <laughs> the ambition, the ruthlessness. How could he expect to become Prime Minister with all those bad vibes hanging around and floating around him? But despite his unforgivable rudeness, she was, of course, still willing to help. He's such a good she's person. A, she's a good person. She is a kind person. She's said she will help. She will help. What he needs is, is a good old-fashioned cleansing ritual. Mm. You need to get rid of all that negative energy, uh, and then the power of the talismans would start to shine through, and he would achieve everything he ever wanted. Mazan agrees to this ritual. It's not no extra cost. She's not throwing it in for free, really. Oh, okay. So, so why the hell not? Maybe it was because he believed her, or maybe he knew he wasn't getting a refund. So, why the <laughs> hell not? So, yeah, exactly. So he went for it, and this is why Maslan Idris leaves his house on the evening of, in July 1993 and drives in the dark to the small isolated bungalow in the middle of a forest as he walks up to the house the doors swing open and maslan is welcomed inside by the bomber and her husband afundi now the air inside this main room is heavy and thick uh, with odors from various bottles and jars from candles and incense burning bottles filled with like weird oily liquid clumps of hair randomly parts of plants and other more unidentifiable lumps of things suspended in various fluids now on the wall opposite 
um, of this is a portrait of the, the great lady herself, Mona Fandi, painted wearing her extravagant ceremonial garb. Mona welcomes her guests and explains what was about to happen. He was to lie in the centre of the room while Mona and Effendi performed a, a manabunga ritual over him. Now, now Maslan is actually quite familiar with this ritual. It's, no, it's, a, it's a flower bath, hmm. pretty much. The recipient is doused in sweet-smelling petals and, and fragrant water, draw the badness out and infuse the subject with calming goodness. And it's entirely not uncommon practice just for relaxation so he goes oh that sounds lovely why why <laughs> why the hell not and so he is led into another room where a platform has been prepared for this ritual it's already covered in flowers with some nice incense and candles going it's all very pretty there's a the sound of running water in the corner and after a while maslin starts to relax and thinks oh this might be quite nice hmm. as he lay down the ritual begins the two shamans start to get to work chanting as as petals floated down around him his body is washed with nice smelling water and cleansed of its sin towards the end of the ritual mona tells maslan to put his head back and he would soon start to feel money falling down from the sky as maslan relaxed further dreaming of his his future wealth and power something very different falls from the sky a great big axe (gasps) (laughs) the axe comes crashing down nearly decapitating maslan in one strike Whoa! Uh, the assistant Drami has leapt from the shadows with an axe. He strikes again and again, eventually severing the politician's head. Jesus. That is extravagant. <laughs> Behead someone in that manner. Also to go through the whole ritual beforehand yeah, as well. I mean, I mean there was a lot beginning. of staging. Yeah, well. just, just come in and have at it, my friend. Have at it. Yeah. Because you, you're not going to be able to explain away a beheading. No, no, not really. No, no it's so just, just run out the guy and go, well, you know what? This is going to happen. So well, I don't and know then... if they think if he's... <laughs> if he's if relaxed. He's more, more alert at the beginning. He's more concerned. He's more alert. He's going to perhaps react faster. He's maybe able to defend himself. Uh, but quite in this possibly, incredibly yeah. relaxed comfortable peaceful state yeah. he doesn't see it coming that's quite that's a dark way of thinking you can understand it You're mm. like, yeah, yeah. wow okay that is one way to deal with the problem yeah the following morning mona and her husband take off for kuala lumpur with all of maslan idris's bank cards and wow. bank details leaving their assistant drami to deal with the aftermath of their little <laughs> ritual but it does seem that drami needs a little chemical encouragement to do what has to be done right um, and he takes what money he has and buys a big old bag of drugs <laughs> and he sets to hacking maslan idris's body into multiple pieces Whoa. jumping the bits in the pit in the outhouse along with his bloody clothes the axe and various knives and things he had used Ugh. in the process now, we do not know what happened between Jirami completing his dr- grisly task and being picked up by the police about a month later or so. He's More been, drugs. Yeah, uh, well, exactly. But just say, judging by the state of him, there was a huge amount of drugs involved. But also, that is a horrific thing to have to do. Absolutely. Gotcha. Absolutely. So you'd think that that is, you are trying to quell that with drugs for, the, is, l- for the next month. Yeah. This is a man <laughs> deeply traumatised by the things he, he has done. He's off his face. And it's only because the police have sort of seen him wandering in the street that he's been picked up at this point. But <laughs> he's obviously been trying to forget the horrors that he has, has taken part in. Um, now, at the time Drami has been picked up on this drug offence, his two employers have no idea that he's been taken in mm. um, at all. And they are having a grand time. But it doesn't take too long 
to track down the Shamans to their, their Kuala Lumpur mansion where they are arrested. It'll be another year before the trial gets underway. Mm. But in the meantime, the press have an absolute field day with the story of this really glamorous ex-pop star shaman yeah. and the horrific ritual murder that she she has apparently orchestrated or certainly been involved in in, in some way. Mona loves the attention. Absolutely relishes it. As if she is reliving her glory days. She's always smiling and waving at the camera. She gives interviews wherever she can at the drop of a hat. She has a much, much bigger audience now than she ever has done before. And she is going to make the most out of it. On one occasion in the court, she offers to sing for the judge. (laughs) (laughs) Offers to a little rendition of her her pop star glory days in in the courtroom. Wow. Uh, Oh, I'm cringing in on myself there. That's that's slightly worse than when people sing when they accept an award. You know, when people sort of sing their award acceptance speech. Or the Eurovision hosts in different nations when they sing, when they're supposed to give out points. Oh, yeah, that's upsetting. That's about third. Her singing in, <laughs> singing in a courtroom when you're giving evidence, about third. Maybe, uh, yeah, no, actually, nothing nothing is worse than the Eurovision one. <laughs> Other days, she, she signs autographs for fans waiting outside the courtroom. Um, <laughs> there are people that actually transfer between prison and the courtroom. Her guards would sometimes show her articles in the glossy magazine that she's appeared in. Mm. Um, and she would thank the jury before the trial resumed each day for their lovely words, their things they have apparently said about her oh um, in these in these articles. <laughs> but she hasn't ab- abandoned her sort of witch doctor vibe completely. She's mm. still going along with that. She still tries to convince people of her magic abilities. In one magazine, it is reported that residents near the prison that she is being held in had seen her walking free in the middle of the night, apparently using her supernatural powers to leave her cell before returning before dawn. The prison service goes, uh, no. <laughs> she's very much locked up. 24 hours a day when she's not in court. She's she's yeah. definitely there. But no, no, no. She sees this in the magazine. Of course, it is 100% true. Absolutely. Yeah. I go for walks at night. I use my magic to get out. I can come and get you too. If someone says something, then you're going to completely play up to it. Absolutely. And Why not? She does entirely. On one day, as press are clamouring to get pictures of her as she's coming out of the courtroom, they're shuffling to get a close-up. Um, one chap trips and bumps into her now in a flash her demeanor flips from her usual smiling jolly everyone take pictures of me she shouts obscenities at this terrified cameraman and Mm. spits in his face now he is so terrified that he has been cursed Mm. that he has been afflicted by this woman that he dumps all of his gear and legs it to the nearest sort of bathroom where he is frantically scrubbing himself Mm. clean but still in court the confusion remains about who is exactly responsible for the death of Maslan Idris. According to Mona and Effendi, this whole thing is done by Jerami. It is entirely his doing. Mm. They knew nothing about his plan <laughs> until he comes rushing into the room with his big axe um, and <laughs> strikes his head off. They were as shocked and appalled as anyone about this horrific crime. Not so shocked that they didn't then steal his bank cards and buy a new Mercedes the next day. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But shocked yeah, nonetheless. Yeah. Yes, um, make the best of a bad situation. Exactly, make the best of it, indeed. Now, the, the court were of the opinion that Jarami's version of events is probably a little closer to the truth. He has no reservation in claiming that, admitting that, yes, he killed 
the politician mm. he was the one who swung the axe but he only did so on the orders of his employer he goes so far as to say that he's actually been placed in a magic trance that forced him to follow their orders but the, i mean the result is much the same drami admits to being the one that had dealt the, fa- the fatal axe blows the trial lasts over two months with over 76 witnesses called to give evidence but on the 9th of february in 1995 the foreman of the jury returned their verdict mona fandi afandi abdul rahman and Jurami hussein are all found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging now mona and afandi seem completely unfazed by this sentence they are completely seem yep they okay. they don't seem bothered whatsoever Jurami though seems like he is entirely expecting he has looked like he has accepted his fate mm. mona is still smiling for the cameras thanking the jury for being there having a grand old time still reveling in the attention there are appeals and and supporters write to the government and even to the king to to have their sentence commuted in interviews mona declares i am happy with the decision i want to thank all malaysians i love all the people okay she says in interviews all the appeals fail (laughs) and before first light on November the 2nd, 2001, um, Mona, Afandi and Jurami are led out of their cells into the execution chamber. The prison doctor, a warden, are already waiting inside alongside various officials, all of whom watch as the three killers were led up onto the wooden platform and the gallows. It is reported that in those final moments, Mona Fandi uttered her last words, I will never die. But then she died. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And there's the bizarre, crazy story of the Malaysian shaman. Oh my God, Fandi! <laughs> wow, that is that is some delusion going on there. Now that is not to say that anyone who believes in the practices of shamans in this area believes in the magic you know you're entitled to your beliefs but clearly someone who was going to use something very much to their advantage no, this is this is someone who has who's done this for in financial gain entirely There's... and is manipulated a belief absolutely 100 percent. whether it is their belief or not they are they are going to do it for financial gain I, I, why did she choose such a prominent figure he had money yes he had money i think probably initially he she thought well she could fob him off with these talismans his the fancy the magic hat mm. and the cane he was going to do his thing he's not going to come back but then, then he, he does pick up a fuss. he starts questioning it um and if i suppose if news gets out that she has provided dodgy talismans um mm. she's not gonna get any new business no. so she needs to needs to silence the man one way or the other i, I mean, mean it seems an extreme way of going exactly it is insane that it just is I mean, it's just it beggars <laughs> belief that it's so stupid that you would choose someone that famous and then kill them mm. you would murder someone that famous and think no one will come looking for them this is fine but clearly plays to the mental delusion that she's under well absolutely I'm yeah. untouchable. Absolutely. I'm absolutely untouchable. And I'm going to kill this person. Have someone kill him. And then just lord it in front of the cameras. Like, no, absolutely yeah. fine. This this wasn't me at all. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. So, and I will never die. I will never. Yeah. That, I mean, that's weird. I will never die. Just as, as the, she drops. Um, <laughs> and very much did die. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, 
You say that, we're still talking about her now. Yeah. And we'll probably be talking to about her in another 50 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the ultimate, what they want? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, she's, infamy. She's infamy indeed. So, yeah, we're talking about her. Numerous other podcasts have spoken about her. There are mm. documentaries made about her. There was a, there's a Malaysian film made about her. Oh, really? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> she is still famous. Oh, good lord! <laughs> sort of twenty years after her death, well, that's she is it. still she's yeah. still she's still famous, and that's well, exactly what she wants. She achieved her dream. Well, indeed, she did. Okay, well, what do you think, people? It's a modern case. We don't do a lot of modern cases on the main episode, but this one was a doozy. Absolutely delicious. Love it. Had a bit of magic in there. Had foreign climates that we don't normally go to. Oh. Love it. And good characters. And fabulous hats. And, and fancy hats. Fancy What's not hats. to love? I do love the energy of just take this fancy hat and cane and parade up and down yeah. the street. And you'll be Prime Minister of Malaysia. <laughs> i got to think about what he was doing in that month before it didn't really kick in. Where he realised that... Oh, yeah, that I've been done. Yeah, I've been had here. Whirling that cane. <laughs> yeah, thinking, I am going to be king of the fucking world. Doffing the hat to all, <laughs> pointing at it, going, you see the hat? Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> You're still not king or prime minister or anything that you keep shouting at me because I'm a man in the street. I can't do anything for you. That is great. Just give him a top hat and a cane and you, you feel like a king. Well, you with... do. You feel powerful. <laughs> you feel powerful. Good accessories make the absolutely, outfit absolutely absolutely it's that self-confidence it gives you what do you think people of the story do you know the story do you know more elements of it have you seen the films the documentaries do you want to weigh in with thoughts and theories about what happened here are there any other theories or do you want to weigh in on what the hell goes in through someone's mind in these situations do you think that if you release a pop song and you're a one-hit wonder you intrinsically become evil. <laughs> How many yeah. one-hit wonder stars have become evil have over become, the have years? Have become killers over the years. Well, not killers. I mean, that's very dark. But <laughs> maybe one-hit wonders. Who do you reckon of the nice people that maybe you've never heard of? Who do you reckon is secretly evil? I don't know. <laughs> okay. But how many of them have a fancy hat? Exactly. Tell us your thoughts. Tell us your suggestions. Write in the comments of any of the social media posts that you follow on the Poisonous Cabinet. But most importantly, you must, must, must mix up a top hat. Indeed, it's entirely delightful. Very pleasant. But yeah, the rest will be out on Friday. So yeah, do give it a go. Let us know what you think. Picture it with your fancies of hats. Keep sending us pictures of all of the cocktails you're enjoying. We love to see them. Keep sending us suggestions of stories that we can follow. And come and join us on Patreon. And send us suggestions of more content that we can cover for you. More things on Patreon. More things on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel where we put all of our main episodes. And please do leave us a review. If you haven't already, it really, really helps us get recognised more and keeps us doing this podcast for you because we love you so much. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.